Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Razabani for IFL TV in association with MTK Global with me on this uh, cold, wet Thursday evening. I've got Matthew Macklin. Matt, how are we doing? Yeah, not bad. As you say, there's been better days, but uh, there's been worse ones too. So, yeah, not bad. Absolutely. Um, Matt, before we uh, speak about boxing, um, just want to quickly touch on, obviously, I know I've spoken to you a couple of times during the lockdown period and it doesn't seem like he's getting any better. It looks like the worst of it still yet to come. Uh, what have you made of everything? And are there any restrictions where you are at the moment? I mean, yeah, the, there's the national restrictions. Uh, there's nothing really any stricter than that in terms of locally. Solihull, I think there is a little bit. But I'm, to be honest, I live on my own. I'm, I don't really, you know what I mean? It's not, it hasn't been too bad for me, really. I've been working from home uh, a lot. Uh, all through the, the pandemic anyway, all through the lockdown period. We had fight camps. There was a lot of work for that. Even before that, we were doing stuff for the digital uh, platforms and social media stuff as well. The boxing show, we did a few of those. Um, you know, so it, I suppose we adapt. You have to adapt, don't you? And that's, that's what we've all done. It is frustrating. I think we thought we were out of the woods and there was light at the end of the tunnel and we were looking forward to you know, people being at the boxing. Because, you, you know, it's not the same. You have to get on and do what you can. And some boxing, boxing behind closed doors is better than no boxing. But you do miss that crowd. You do miss the atmosphere. Even commentating, you miss it, you know, that buzz. So, you know, it, it's, it is frustrating. But what can we do? You know, there's no point getting too stressed out about things that are out of your control. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's pointless. Um, look, all we can do is you know, pray and hope and cross our fingers and toes and whatever else we want to cross that, you know, sooner rather than later, you know, we're back to back to normal. We spent many months without boxing. Uh, we know Lewis Ritson, who's due to fight next week, um, was going to take place in Newcastle originally, uh, hoping that there were crowds were going to be there. And that's now changed to Peterborough. So for the fighters out there that haven't really boxed, you know, for them people who are, more or less self-employed, they don't, they don't get paid until they fight. Is it tough for those fighters not knowing what's going to be coming around the corner very soon? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, don't get, is, it, is it frustrating for Anthony Joshua? Of course it is. But he's all right, isn't he? You know what I mean? He's not going to be stuck to pay his bills or he's not going to, you know, there's no financial pressure on him, you know. So it, it is more difficult for guys that are, are not earning massive money or, or even big money that are, you know, struggling really. They're not boxing. They don't earn how they how they pay their bills? They've, you know, they've got mortgages, they've got a car, they've got family. Um, so it's difficult. So I mean, I mean, you mentioned Lewis Ritson there. Now, that's a guy who, if you've been to Lewis Ritson fight in Newcastle, you know what an atmosphere, what a special atmosphere that is. So it's going to feel strange, I think, uh, commentating on his fights against Miguel Vasquez without you know a live crowd there. It'll be uh, be a shame, really, because like I say. When he fights in Newcastle at that Metro Arena, that, that's as good as atmosphere as you'll see anywhere in the world. 
Uh, let's recap her last Saturday. Joshua Boatzi made his return back to the ring, I believe, after we talk about these number of days, 400 of days. It was Dylan White over 1,000 days didn't get his shot. Boatzi's been out in the ring for over 400 days. Um, probably one of his toughest fights to date, would you say, Mike, uh, Matt? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, that doesn't shock me that it was. I thought beforehand this is going to be um, a good test for him because he's boxing. A, you know, when you're building a fighter, you've got someone like Bawatsi, who's, a, you know, Olympic bronze medalist. And, not, you know, he looked the part, didn't he, as well, in the Olympics. And since he's been pro, he's looked the part every single time. Uh, I think he's 12-0 and 0 going into that fight. You know, and it's you're trying to pick opponents <clears throat> to fight him. And... You get to a point with someone like that where he is very high risk, low reward to other top guys. So he's kind of, I don't think Bawats is a million miles away from fighting for a world title, by the way. I think he's probably a couple of good fights and he's there. Now, those two fights need to be, you want them to be, to, to be someone that's going to test him, that's going to cause him a few problems, that create problems that he's going to have to solve, you know, mid-fight. And, you know, those are the fights that make you, you, you know, the next day you're a 20% better fighter. They're the fights he needs now. But it's easier said than done because most the people that fall into that category, most of them aren't really going to want to fight Boatsy because, you know, they're probably top 10, 15 peripheral guys that could get a shot at a world title, a voluntary defense. So they're thinking, I'd rather wait around them a ranking and get a shot at a world title. Why do I want to fight this guy? Who's, you know, what have I got to gain? from fighting this guy and it's, it's a hard fight for me you know probably you know, I'm, I'm going to be the the underdog it's going to be most likely from a, that I'm going to lose you know no fighter thinks they're going to lose but let's say the manager for that fighter is thinking Mikey could lose this fight well I don't want him to lose to Boatsy I want him to lose for a world title because then he can fight a Boatsy you know this is where you know the risk reward ratio stacks up and so really the only thing anyone has got to uh, gain really from fighting Bawatsi. It's not his money, one of these kind of guys, like, you know, Sullivan Barrera type guy, or I don't know, that, 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 I can't think of another, but that, that type of guy, Joe Smith, maybe, you know, why are you going to fight Bawatsi? You know, he, he could get a world title shot, you know, another win, get a bit of momentum, bang, it's a voluntary defence. So it's going to be difficult to make these fights. So Kalic, for me, was a good, was a good, it was a good option. You know, it was a guy who, uh, boxing the World Series of Boxing. He was a good amateur himself. He boxed as a heavyweight as an amateur. He beat Alan Babich twice. So he's, you know, there was a physicality factor in there. He'd been in there. He'd been used to being in there with bigger, stronger men that hit hard. So you thought, okay, he might be able, he, he should be able to stand up to Boatsy. Uh, he's coming with ambition. He's an undefeated fighter. He's not a faded former world champion. That's probably a gatekeeper. That's, you know, it's, it's about getting the money now. You know, they've, they've seen better days. It's not, it's someone that's still, got his ambition. So it ticked a lot of boxes. And actually, he ended up being quite, you know, he got off to a good start. And I think Boatsy probably, you know, he got caught with that shot in the eye, um, started closing up. And all of a sudden, it started becoming a difficult fight. He was very sharp, Kalic. I was surprised he, with his hand speed. Obviously, he'd come down from heavyweight. So expecting him to be big and strong. But his hand speed and his accuracy surprised me. It was very good. He wasn't he wasn't loading up. He was just putting the shots out there, looking for accuracy. And he was catching Boatsy. I think Boatsy got caught more in that fight than he did the other 12 go put together. Um, but it was exactly what he needed. Because while it might not have been his tactical or technical best performance, 
he found the win through adversity, and that will he will have to do that to become world champion and to stay there. You know, you're not you're not going to look vintage every single fight. There's going to you know you, as you step up the levels, they've got their game plan too. It's not just about what you do right or what you do wrong. It's what they do right. You know, sometimes it's not always what you did wrong. It's always it's what the other person did well. You know, it's it's a two horse race in there, and, and you're going into world top fights. These are 50-50 fights, or you know, thereabouts. So you're going to have to come through adversity. So I think while he was getting caught too much with the right hands, uh, he was a bit open for that. There was he exposed certain things that maybe he needs to work on or tighten up on, but it ticked the box. You know, it ticked the box. He got he, he got hurt. He got caught with a good shot. He had the swelling under the eye. He lost rounds. Kalich's confidence grew. He was landing and really growing into the fight. So it it, it did. It ticked a lot of boxes. And despite the um, the things he was dealing with, the eye injury, etc., um, he got it together and he found a way to win. And that's what great fighters do. And that's the fight he needed as he's going up along now. Because he's looked, you know, he's just. He's just, he hasn't probably hasn't lost a round yet, you know what I mean? He's blasted everyone away, he's up to a million dollars. So it was good to see him take a couple and lose a couple of rounds and have to dig in and readjust and adapt and come back and, and get on top of it. I thought, you know, you, you, don't, you don't choose those performances, but it, it'll help make him a better fighter. We know everybody's talking about this huge clash with Boatsy and Yard, and, and we're hoping that, hap- that does happen in the near future. But another name, and um, we saw some back and forth with, with Joe Gallagher on Twitter. I wasn't happy about Johnny Nelson's comments about Callum Johnson saying Callum doesn't, doesn't want Boatsy. Obviously, Johnny's come out to clarify those comments about what he actually meant about them. But would, would it be a great fight next up for Boatsy? Absolutely. I mean, for both of them, I think it's, uh, there's no given there to who wins that fight. You know, that's, that's a good fight. Look um, I suppose what happens, I think a while ago, maybe 12 months ago, there was a bit of talk about this fight. And I think at that time, probably, Callum Johnson wasn't interested in it because Callum Johnson had just fought for a world title. He had a good fight with Baturbiev. You know, then he has a nice win against Sean Monaghan. Shawnee Monaghan. Why does he, he doesn't really want to, I'm talking about that thing again, you don't really want to come back down and lose, fight Boatsy. Because if he loses to Boatsy, where does he go then? Where... He's just had a good performance for a world title. He had Paterbiev down. Really, he wants to get another win or two and get back in there, maybe with a bivol, maybe a rematch with Paterbiev. He wants to fight for a world title again. You know, he can always fight Boatsy again on the way back down. But I think as things have played out and, you know, COVID happened and, you know, time isn't waiting for anyone. And Callum Smith isn't a spring chicken. I think he's 34 or 35 years old. Um, He's probably realised, you know what? And Boatsy's stock has, you know, he's grown. His reputation's grown again. So I think it's at a point where Callum John's probably thinking, you know what, if it's the right platform, if it's the right money, it's the right title, it doesn't have to be a world title, I'll fight him. I think that's where he's at with it. Um, also, I think from Callum Johnson's point, I don't think Callum Johnson's getting any better. He's 34 years old, you know. Um, Boatsy, he's getting better. So if I'm Callum Johnson, if I'm managing Callum Johnson, I'm thinking... You know what? Fight this guy now because he's only getting better. You're you're getting older. You're not getting better now. You're at your peak. He's that, this kid's going to improve and get better. Fight him now. That's what I would say if I was managing Callum Johnson. I think this is, a, and also you know 
it's all right saying I want to I want to fight Paterbi, I want to fight Bivol, I want to get a world title shot. Maybe those shots aren't forthcoming. So what are you going to do? Just sit on the shelf and wait forever? You know, like I say, time isn't waiting for anyone. I don't think what this pandemic and the lockdown, everything is, has forced is it's it's shown people, it's forced people into taking fights that maybe ordinarily they wouldn't have been that willing to go into. But if you don't if you don't want to fight, don't fight. Then you're just going to be sat on the shelf. So. I think Callum Johnson's probably at a point where he's thinking, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. And, uh, you know, I think Boatsy's a supremely confident guy. I think his team are confident. You know, maybe they're a bit, a little bit more hesitant now after Saturday night because I thought, because you see, not weaknesses, but you see, um, I don't know, vulnerabilities maybe, is that the word? He got caught, he lost rounds. You know, all of a sudden, people don't look so invincible. So maybe they're a bit, ooh, Let's just steady up a little bit here. But I don't think so. If I was, again, if I was uh, managing Boatze, I think Callum Johnson's a great fight because he probably wins it. But, you know, it's definitely not a given. But if he's as good as we think he is, you know, he's not, he's not, a, he's not, a, um, he's not a fresh novice now, Boatze, either. You know what I mean? He's, he, he's, he's seasoned. He's, uh, and that fight against Kalic... Gave him even more seasoning. So, I think a, a fight with Callum Johnson, you know, because don't forget, Paterbi did get put down, but he also got up and, and got Callum, Callum Johnson out of there a couple of hours later. So, you know, I think um, I think, I think think it's a good fight for both men. Not a given for anyone, but it's a, but it's a, but it's a great fight. We saw on Twitter a lot of people were not happy with the decision about John Hedges' fight. Um, making his professional debut, six foot five, he's a huge guy. Um, looked like he wasn't matched you know, to his capabilities at this early stage. Um, yourself, I saw you retweet and like certain tweets from other people agreeing to that fact. Um, kind of what was your, if I want to just touch base on that now, what was your kind of overall reaction to his performance and his, and his opponent? Um, I thought he lost the fight. I thought he was very upright, amateurish. He was getting caught, pulling out straight. Um, obviously, you can see he's got talent. And I, I can understand and see why he won titles. You can see he's well-schooled and all the rest of it. But he's 18 years old. He looks like a kid in a man's butt. You know what I mean? He's not, he hasn't got no man strength. Physically, he isn't mature. You know, baby-faced. And, you know, this isn't an absolute fact. You know, it's a pattern. Usually, the lighterweights tend to mature younger. And the heavyweights tend to mature later on. That's that's a general thing, um, you know. He he's he's what six foot five. I mean, he's probably going to end up a cruiserweight. You know, I I, I think personally, I I, I think it's too, too soon. I think if I was him, I'd, the amateurs would have been. I think a few years in the amateurs would have been better for him. I mean, I mean, he hasn't even had a senior bout. I don't think as an amateur. You know, whether or not you win national titles as a senior and then decide to turn whatever, but I think you should definitely. Have a few senior bouts. Um, listen, I only had one year in the seniors, but my first ever my, ever, my first ever senior bout was in full international. Then I won the ABAs and had six or seven fights in the ABAs. Then I boxed in the Acropolis Cup. You know, I lost in the final of that to the number one in the world. So I, I'd boxed see and he was I think twenty four or twenty five. So I'd had those senior at a full year as a senior at a top level in senior boxing, but. To just jump from the junior ABAs into professional boxing, you know, I don't know. To be, sometimes it works out. I'm not saying it can't be done, but 
I, you know, I wouldn't say it's the rule. And, um, and particularly with the bigger guys, you know, I thought he looked, he looked, he looked young. He looked, he looked like a kid in there, I thought. And te te technically, you know, he, he was making a lot, he, he looked quite amateurish, as, he, as you'd expect. It's his first fight and he's just out of the juniors. But, you know, backing up his straight lines, getting caught, you know, I thought he was very lucky to get the decision. Very lucky. Matt, towards the end of October, we've got a heavyweight feast. We've got Chisora, Usyk. We've got uh, announced Joseph Parker's back. Um, Dubois Joyce, Dylan White, Povetkin, Joshua Pulev. Um, Frank Warren spoke to IFL a couple of days ago. Was it yesterday? Uh, we talked about, obviously, the announcement of Dubois Joyce, which was rescheduled a couple of times, is not taking place on pay-per-view. Frank said, because, one, there's too many pay-per-views happening towards the end of the year. And he didn't want to rob fight fans because he felt that some of those announced pay-per-views were not worthy of being pay-per-view fights. Just want to get your kind of your thoughts on on the whole pay-per-view scenario uh, during this whole pandemic as well. Is it right? Should it happen? And I'm referring to obviously Chisora Usyk, White Povetkin, obviously Joshua Puda is going to be pay-per-view. But kind of your whole thoughts around it. I mean, here's the thing: if it isn't pay-per-view, then the fights won't be happening. Do you understand? Like the, the, the fighters, these fights won't happen if they're not pay-per-view. It's as simple as that. You know, there's only, there's a certain amount of budget, isn't there? You know, that, that's already happening. That's already going out there for fights that are, like, you know, we did, uh, we had the one on Saturday night. We've got the one on um, next week, Miguel Vasquez and, and uh, Lewis Ritson. Uh, there's going to be a few other ones. Katie Taylor is going to box before the end of the year. Possibly, I think Billy Joe Saunders, hopefully as well. You know that that's going to eat into the budget. Maybe use the whole budget up for this year, whatever. So, you know, if you want the if Usyk and Chisora are going to want a lot of money for fighting each other, they've earned a lot of money in their career. Do you know what I mean? They 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 used to. Now they're not going to earn what they they should have or would have if they'd been crowds and if things were normal. So everyone's taking a hit. That's just. The economic factor life right now, isn't it? I think everyone's getting a hit. But if the fans want to see these fights, then they won't, it won't work. It, it just won't happen if it's not pay-per-view. And, you know, it, it, it comes down to that as well. Like, if you don't think it's pay-per-view worthy, don't buy it. Do you know what I mean? If you want to watch the fight, you know, that's what it is. You know, what, what, what you know. <laughs> I know and people say, oh, that's all right for you. Or, but not really. You don't, no one's saying you have to buy it. Do you know what I mean? But I think, I think a lot of people will buy it because there's a lot of intrigue around the fight. I think Usyk, we know how good Usyk is, but heavyweight is heavyweight. We know Chisora, yeah, he's, he's lost plenty. He's been beaten, but he's a handful. You know, he is a handful. And Usyk's not a massive puncher, but he's, he's a genius in the ring. And, you know, I think most people think he'll out think out maneuver Chisora and, and maybe break him down or just beat him on points. But you know, it's definitely it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see how he copes with Chisora because uh, Chisora's like a, I think Chisora's a nightmare to fight. You know, there's not many people who had an easy night with him. Yes, Tyson Fury did. Tyson Fury's six foot nine. You know, he's massive as well, and he's an unbelievable fighter. You know, Usyk is an unbelievable fighter, but he's a cruiserweight. That's grow that hasn't really grown into the heavyweight division yet. Looked a bit sluggish in his pro in his debut at heavyweight, uh, but we'll see. It's 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 an intriguing fight. You know, you got Usyk who 
is one of the stars in boxing. Can he be a star at heavyweight? Most people think he can be, you know, but if, how he performs against Chisora will tell us a bit more. You know, if he, if he beats Chisora, but it's absolutely life and death, then, you know, people think, hmm. But, you know, if he goes in there and he picks him apart and does a number on him, that'll be like, wow. Do you know what I mean? So, it is a good fight. And it, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what the whole card is yet, but I can't, well, off the top of my head. But it's, you know, there's got to be good value in it. You know, it's, um, look, look, a fight camp. That, that, each, each show on fight camp would have lost a lot of money. And I'm sure then on the pay-per-view, they recouped some of that. Maybe all of it, I don't know. But, you know, people aren't, People are, people are going to take hits and people have to accept that that's the way it is. But, you know, I, I don't see the, I don't see how these fights, these fights couldn't happen if there weren't pay-per-view. It's that simple. Matt, do you think it's a different fight, the fact that there's no crowd for Chisora? Because we know how much he thrives off the crowd in the O2. They're singing his name, cheering his name. He's a come forward fighter, swings a lot. So is it a different fight, a different fight and more difficult for Chisora? In this particular fight, um, maybe. I mean, it's the same for everyone. But I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, Chisora definitely feeds off the crowd. It isn't that long ago, you know, relatively speaking, that Usyk was boxing in these multi-nations tournaments where there was nobody in some in a big stadium it could be empty. So it's a lot fresher in his mind to box in those situations that it will be in, in Delboys. So, look, I think they're both pros and they'll both be super up for it. There's a lot on the line. Um, so I think they'll both get up for it regardless. But if it's going to hinder one more than the other, then I think you're probably right. I think it probably will affect Chisora negatively more so than it would Usyk. Dylan White rematch. It, would it be fair to say that everything's on the line here? Matt, is this, if he loses this rematch, it can potentially end his chances of the world title dreams and, and back down the ladder? And also, is this a fight? Yes, I know he had to take, but was it the right decision to take it immediately, so soon after a devastating knockout? I mean, do you know what? Listen, I thought it was a bad idea, Joshua, going straight into the rematch with Ruiz, for the reason that people say normally, if you go straight back in, it tends to go the same way. Um, although I understood the sort of economic reasons and the career, I understand why they had to go straight back in. There was so much riding on it, do you know what I mean? And, but, you know, there was a, a lot of people felt it was a mistake from a boxing point of view. Forget the business point of view. People from a boxing point of view, it was a mistake to go straight back in to the rematch of Ruiz. But, Joshua made the necessary adjustments. He lost the weight. He had a different game plan. And he stuck to it. And he boxed really well, I thought. But he had, um, Matt, didn't he have those... Yeah. Go away. He went on holiday, relaxed a bit. Yeah. And then kind of... So it's quick. So the Dillion's very quick turnaround. Very, very quick turnaround. Um, he didn't take a sustained beating. You know, he wasn't dropped, wobbled again. It was one punch, you know... He was winning the fight. You know, he was boxing well. In fact, he'd had Povetkin down twice at the end of the, of the round previous. 
looked like the writing was on the wall and it was a matter of time. He was start, he was getting to him, you know. Maybe got a little bit complacent and got caught with a beautiful shot that he didn't see. Now, it was a one-punch knockout. It didn't take a sustained beating. Mentally, he'll, he'll know uh, the mistake he made and got caught. It's not a massive thing to put right. You know, it wasn't like he... he I don't think it's a big thing to put right. I think he's just got to be um, more vigilant and just keep his con- and keep concentration. Don't get don't get cocky. Don't get complacent. Don't uh, you know? He, he, if he's boxing, if he's in the same position in this next fight and he's four, five, six rounds up and he's boxing well, you can't afford to switch off with this guy. This guy's got one punch power. He can take you out with one clean shot. You can never rest up and get uh, lax when you're boxing somebody like that. So, you know, I think that's the biggest lesson he'll have learned. And that's not a difficult one. You ain't got to work on that. It's a mindset thing. You know what I mean? That's all that is. So, I, um, I don't think, I, I think, look, they had the rematch clause. What, what's the alternative? Don't take it, rebuild what, where he is and what he's gone through and what he's built up to now. I have all these now. I don't think so. I think, I don't, I don't think it's a bad, I think it's, if I was him, I'd have done the same thing. We were hoping to see Tyson Fury back in the ring against Deontay Wilder. The, the date that was touted was December 19th uh, in Las Vegas. Bob Arum and Frank Warren have both come out and said it's very, very unlikely that fight now happens. We know Deontay Wilder split from Mark Breland. Um, so we're not sure when that fight happened, but I think the question really is, what did you make of the, uh, the split with Deontay and his long-term trainer? I think it's a mistake. I think the, 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 the best guy he had in his corner was Mark Breland. You know, Mark Breland was almost stopped the fight, and I think it's like they're trying to look for a scapegoat. You know, black, you know, and to me, that suggests that he's in denial about what happened and about what went wrong, and he's parting or you know his shortcomings or what he needs to work on. Oh, I shouldn't have been stopped up. No, you should. And if you hadn't have been, you'd have got badly beaten up more. So Mark Breland was actually thinking of your health and your safety and your future. You know. Lived to fight another day, weren't his night. He was getting busted up and he saved him from a further beating. You know, and you sacked that guy. That's, that's the first. He, he should have had it. He should be number one. So I, I think that's a big mistake for, for Wilder to get rid of Mark Breland. Um, what was the other question? Uh, no, that was a question. The split. Obviously, yeah. Fury Wilder's not obviously taking place yet. Fury does want to fight this year. Um, Frank's and he's going to obviously look at what the options are. But. Uh, what does what does Deontay do? Does he stick with his current trainer, uh, Joe D, uh, Diaz, uh, JDS, or does he go out and bring somebody else into the team as well now? I mean, uh, it seems the guy that that's with him's got his ear. So, you know, who they, who they're going to bring in? They're going to bring someone in just to add a bit of talk. I don't know. Get confusing, can't it? Bringing someone else in and they're trying to implement their opinions. And but if the other guy doesn't really agree with it, you can get messy. You know, two people that work together. So you got Jamie Moore and Nigel Travis. They're in sync. They're they're singing from the same hymn sheet. They're thinking the same. Doesn't matter that there's two there. You know, they complement each other. That's a team. I think to where Tyce, where Deontay Wilder is now to bring an outsider in, I could get messy. I think. He's probably better off sticking with, uh, you know, the guy he's got. If, he's, if that's the way he's got. Look, I think he's a mistake getting rid of Mark Breland. I think that's a big mistake. 
I think he'll regret it. But now that he has, I don't really see him necessarily bringing anyone else in. He's got to change anything. Matt announced also today, uh, Luke Campbell and Ryan Garcia. Uh, it looks like Crawford Brooks going to happen as well. Um, also announced was Tiafima Lopez and Loma There's <laughs> some amazing fights coming up towards the end of the year. Anyone in particular you're looking forward to? Maybe even a, a Conor McGregor Manny Pacquiao. I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> Let me tell you that now. I'm not looking forward to that. Um, Southpaw v Southpaw, right? Yeah. No, listen, Luke Campbell Garcia, really looking forward to that one. Probably the most out of the three, if I'm honest. Um, because I think it's the hardest one to call. You know, I do think Luke, I'm, I'm going with Luke um, because he's proven. I know how good he is. There's still, Luke's not over the hill yet. Do you know what I mean? But he's 33. He's fought for the World Cup title a couple of times. Didn't go his way. If he didn't win this, if he didn't beat Garcia, I think then maybe he would have missed his chance. Do you know what I mean? I think, not, not that he's shot or anything, but, you know, just his 33, he's achieved a lot, he's earned money. He, you know, he's back to the cubit, does he want to keep going? You know, he just, you just, you just miss the boat a little, it happens, you know, you don't, you've got this, you've got this sort of, say, a bucket load of hardships that you're prepared to go through in your career. A loss is a hardship, regrouping, resetting, you know, a training camp, an injury, a setback, a fallout of a fight disappointment, you know, all these things, there's only so much of it in you, and then you've got the hunger when you're, you're starting out, you're starving but then you achieve a bit, you're a little bit less hungry you achieve a bit more, you're a little bit less hungry again you achieve a bit more, and that hunger you know, you get less and less hungry, so and you get older, as all this is happening so, it just I, I really, really hope really hope that Luke Campbell wins, because he's a world-class fighter do you know what I mean, he's someone that it'd be a, it'd be a It'll be such a shame if he ends up retiring from professional boxing, not having won a world title, because he is a world-class fighter. World-class fighter. He could have got it against Linares. You know, it was a close fight. And what he was going through and dealing with going into that, you know, then, then Lamachenko, you know, I, I, even though he got, even though he probably, maybe he didn't win a round or maybe he won one, I thought he boxed really well. He made Lamachenko think hard. No, yeah, he, he was... Wide on the cards, an easy win, an easy win for Lomachenko on the cards, but not one round was easy for Lomachenko. Let me tell you. So that's how good Luke Campbell is. Um, Ryan Garcia, I'm not sure how good he is because we don't know yet because he hasn't been in with that. Oh, Luke will tell us. He will tell us. This fight will tell us how good Garcia is because we know how good Luke is. Um, he, look, he's definitely talented. He's definitely got great speed. He's got that belief of youth. You know what I mean? He's, he, he ticks a lot of boxes. Um, listen, the fight with Luke Campbell will tell us if he's, you know, the real deal. Matt, just finally, you just talked there about uh, you start off starving and the more you achieve, uh, the, the hunger goes away. I see you're back in the gym, getting fresh, getting your body ready. Is, there, is the hunger back? Nah, man, I'm just, <laughs> this is just health and fitness. I, I wish, when I did have that hunger, I wish I lived this life in between fights when I wasn't uh, fighting. I always, I, I say it regularly to the guy that I do a bit of PT with. He's, he used to fight, does fight still. Well, he's not sure yet. He's kind of 29 and he's thinking of hanging them up. Uh, we talk about the hunger and different living the life. And, you know, I said, 
I think the word camp should be banned from, from anyone in boxing using that word camp because it's the biggest bullshit word out there. It shouldn't be about camps. You should train all year. I'm not saying you don't have a week or two off after a hard fight, by the way. But having these six and eight weeks and ten weeks off doing nothing, what that you know? But when you go away, to, go away to a camp and it's solitude and you're lonely and it's costing you loads of money because you're renting short-term digs and all the rest of it. And you're travelling there. It, that's not sustainable. Do you know what I mean? That that is you are in that camp mentality and. You know, there's, there's, a, there's something to it as in like you're in this camp and you're striving for that day. What happens with that is because that's unsustainable, you know, you've got the yin-yang sort of thing happening then. As in you go from being like this, you know, life where you're like, you know, eating, sleeping, breathing, everything. But really you've got no, you're not happy. There's no, there's no relationship. There's no fun. There's no, there's nothing else. You're just dieting, sleeping, training. How long can you sustain that for? You get to the fight, you win, you're on a high. And then you're like, well, I'm not going to fly back to, another, to America or go, go down to another city, go into a training camp where I'm sitting in a room on my own all day and night lonely. Uh, do you know what I mean? And, and I'm not going to do that until I have to do that. And I have to do that probably six, seven, eight weeks, whatever. But then probably you're enjoying yourself too much. So then what could have been six weeks becomes, I need 10 weeks because you need four weeks or five weeks to get you to the six week stage so it's like so now again it's been that unsustainable period of 10 weeks like I, like I was saying to him and like I, tr I train now three three four times a week and it's enjoyable I train hard but it's you know I'm not training for anything but I think the strength and conditioning should be that should be your in-between training your, your camp should just be your five six weeks sparring you know and it should be that, and really, then the strength and conditioning just becomes maybe do it once a week just to sustain a bit. I think, you know, and even with the sparring, we talk about you know, it's different, it's, 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 it's different for everyone because, you know, someone like Manny Pacquiao, I see Manny Pacquiao at his peak in 2010 in the wild card and he'd spar 12 rounds with three different sparring partners. But Manny Pacquiao was fast as lightning, he was a southpaw who could bang, and he had these this amazing footwork. So, not many people were getting on top of Pacquiao. He, he was just teeing off on them, really. You know, yeah, they were good fighters and they'd make him think and miss a bit. But basically, he didn't get hit much in these spars. And as well, he was, he was doing the damage. He wasn't taking much back, right? So he could spar 12 rounds. But let's compare him to someone like Ricky Hatton, who Ricky Hatton would get hit in sparring like he would in a fight. That was his style. You know, that's why he was so exciting. You know, so... If Ricky Hatton had sparred for six weeks, eight rounds, 10 rounds, 12 rounds, there wouldn't have been a Ricky Hatton come fight night. So what Ricky would do, Ricky would spar six hard intensive rounds with the intensity to keep, so it was very real, so it was like a dress rehearsal. But then he'd start after six, he'd get, get the head guard and the, the 16 ounce gloves on, and then he'd do six rounds on the body belt with Billy. So the intensity of the workout, so the engine, you're building the engine the same, and you were keeping the you, you were keeping the intensity to the, in the spar for the six rounds, so it wasn't getting sloppy mistakes or he was getting smashed up because there was another guy jumping in fresh. Do you know what I mean? But Manny Pacquiao worked for, for Ricky Hatton. He wouldn't have worked for Ricky Hatton had done twelve round spars for six weeks. Wouldn't wouldn't we wouldn't have got to the fight, you know? So I think what Billy did with Ricky was spot on for Ricky, but you know also what Freddie did with Pacquiao was spot on for him. But you know he wouldn't have suited each. So it's. Yeah, you know, but it's it's that word camp again, isn't it? It's like it's it's 
And, it, and I suppose it comes, I mean, we could, we could talk about this for hours. You've got to be careful that you go off on a million tangents. It's like if you're only boxing twice a year, you know, it's, it's hard to maintain focus. So, you know, that, 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 that camp word, and, and I did that by the way. So it's not like I'm not, I did it. So it's not like I'm not saying it can't be, but, you know, I, I know, so I know firsthand that it's, it's not sustainable, really. You know, that sort of lifestyle is unsustainable. But really, if you lived the life in between, you wouldn't need 10, 12 weeks. That was bullshit, really. That was the first six weeks of that was to get you to a place to be fit enough to be sparring hard. And that. So, you know, but, it, but it's, it's mad. Everyone talks to you about camp and doing camp. And it's like, oh, cringe when I hear that word. I used to, I used to say it, by the way, but I cringe because I'm thinking, nah, we, we, we need to change that mindset and get away from that camp. You know, professional footballers, they play it all season. You know, they have six, they might have a few weeks off in the preseason and then the back preseason. Boxing, you're a boxer, that's your job. You know, I think that you, you, you should have your, your last sort of six, five, six weeks where you're sparring and you're doing pads. It's all about the boxing. Maybe you do one session a week, strength and conditioning, just to keep you up there. But maybe in between fights, that's when you do a lot of strength and conditioning, work on your strength, your physical strength, maybe your power that type of thing. Um, but look, like I said, this is, this, is, this is a conversation. This is a topic that we, I could talk for hours on. <laughs> and like I say, I'd, I'd probably go off on about 30 different tangents. Well, I was going to say, if you did want to make a comeback, I'm sure the WBA will probably put you straight into the top 10 like they normally do. Yeah, I could fight for the super-duper-duper duper belt. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, man, just um, I, I'm, I'm very happy and content with what I did in boxing. Um, Listen, could I have done more if I knew then what I knew now? I reckon every single fighter that's ever retired could probably say that. Um, I wish I lived the life in between. I wish I didn't do the camps. But that's, you know, that's the way it is. Matt, uh, appreciate your time. I can talk to you for ages, I think. Um, all the best. Uh, we'll definitely catch up with you next week. You're down in Peterborough, I guess, leading yep. the commentary with uh, hopefully Paulie Malinaji one day will be back as well with you, back on the shores and things yeah. up. You're my favourite couple when you're together. Because uh, <laughs> you don't always agree with each other, which I like. You don't That's always cool. agree with each other, which is brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, we'll definitely catch up with you soon. Matthew Martin for IFL TV. Thank you very much. Thanks. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt.